1: Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
3: Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio this week with with an amazing friend um, and fellow advocate, just a beautiful woman that I've had the pleasure to work with over the last 10 years. We have with us Janice Jacobs, who is the founder of an advocacy nonprofit nonprofit called Abolitionist Mom, and that uh, her nonprofit works on anti-trafficking initiatives for a variety of uh, stakeholders. Um, Certainly International Rescue Committee was one of them. She's worked with me on a couple of things with the Alameda County District Attorney um, and San Diego and San Diego and other parts of the uh, Southern California may not may not be San Diego. I think it might might have been L.A. But anyway, just all throughout California and really nationally on several campaigns. And we're going to be talking about that. She's also worked with another organization that's near to my heart, which is California Against Slavery. And um, she initiated SB 1165, which is the nation's first sexual abuse and sex trafficking education law. And she was instrumental in creating Oakland's commercially sexually exploited children's task force. Um, and so and, and oh, the other thing I don't want to leave out is that she's the associate producer of California's Forgotten Children. Um, And led the creation of numerous anti-trafficking campaigns as part of that. So um, as well as a beautiful movie uh, that um, has been used to educate um, millions. And so we are... Uh, So grateful to have you on the show, Janice, and for all the work that you've been doing. Oh, I should mention, Janice was named the 2014 Modern Day Abolitionist for Advocacy by the San Francisco Coalition to End Human Trafficking and in 2015 recognized as Ford's Unsung Hero. Welcome to the show, Janice.
2: Oh, thank you so much,
3: Vanessa. Yes, 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 yes. So I've had the opportunity of working with you over the last 10 years or so, and uh, you and I have been kind of in this for the same amount of time and um, it's been quite a ride. It's been amazing. Um It's been saddening. It's been, uh, you know, uh, it's been a source of anger and just every emotion, right. Um, that, that, that you can pretty much put your finger on. And yet um, here we are. And uh, are you getting tired? Genese? Are you feeling any tired?
2: I'm not getting tired yet. Are you getting tired? I think, you know, I think when you, I I think when you see oppression and you see, and you see that people are really hurting and you feel your own, um, gratitude for your own privilege. Yeah. I I just feel like I just have to keep on going, like game on. Like, I think like you, while we have, we're from different, different faith practices, yeah. but I think like you, I think I see this as kind of like, um, service to God that, yeah. um, I feel very much is that this is what I'm meant to do. And so I think th- these are dark issues, but I kind of feel, I think what I've learned over the process of the, over the course of the last 10 years is that you can't, expect that government leaders, elected officials, um, agencies are going to solve these problems. You can't expect that it's just going to happen. And that, quite honestly, the way things move, particularly in large institutions like government, um, is because individuals kind of light that fire and make them move. And I think once I have come to understand that, I... I have now after so many years, I have a little bit less fear about it, a little less, you know, knowing that, yeah, if it's going to change, it really like it has to be either on my agenda or some, you know, some other folks. We have to have it on somebody's agenda outside the government agencies because, you know, you can have a great conversation with someone, but then they walk away from it.
3: Yeah, no, and, and, and I too, so one of the things I think is so cool, um, as I told you before we came on the show, my listening audience, there's, you know, it's a Christian radio station, so there's a, you know, a very high uh, Christian uh, listening uh, listener that's on the call of a, a large population of Christians that are listening, and you're, you come from a Jewish background, and I just um, love, you know, that's one of the things that I absolutely love is that you and I are uh, despite, you know, our different belief systems, we're on one accord. And um, and we're I believe that you are called to this by God, as am I. And um, and we have worked so beautifully together over the years to really just, you know, just get this thing, you know, get this going. Right. And just to stand in the gap for underserved, under-resourced people and. Um, I'm so grateful for that, you know, and um you know i i I feel just really honored that we've been able to do that together and in such a unified, powerful way. So thank you. Um, I want to talk about some of the things that you've been doing, but before you know, disrupt sex trafficking campaign and help without judgment, and just really share with uh, the listening audience the way that you the, the, the these you know visions that you've had. Um, have really unfolded and, um, and the way that they're actually creating action, you know, in the community. And so I want to talk about that, but I want to go back, right? So I want to go back to your background. I want to go back to like why, you know, this around this time 10 years ago, you decided to take on this issue. Why? Why did you, was there an incident? Was there a, um an experience was there some something that happened um or has this been something
2: you've always thought about your whole life? Well could maybe a little bit of both, but um it was really a moment. So at the time I was a recruiter working for Silicon Valley software companies. And I um another connection point, right? (laughs) (laughs) That tech background, yeah. (laughs) And I uh I happened to uh my habitual phone addiction was looking at the news on my phone and saw an article about human trafficking in Oakland. It happened to be a youth radio piece that was on NPR. And I read this article and I was pretty shocked that, um, I knew what human trafficking was. I just didn't know that it was happening two miles from my house. And I felt like once, you know, I saw it, I just kind of had this flashback to being 13 years old and being in religious school and learning about the Holocaust and wondering what were people doing when their neighbors were being taken away. Mm. And that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, these are kids and I'm live in Oakland and you know, these pimps scare the hell out of me and I know I'm not messing with them. I said, but I can, you know, I can be a parent. and I want to be in Jewish mom. And I'm like, I, I think these kids need, someone to advocate for them. And I have no problem kind of being that squeaky wheel. So I I really within either it was that day or the next day I started Googling and I Googled someone in the current mayor's office, Gene Kwan's office who I knew. And I Googled, I found Missy and then I started volunteering and then through volunteering on the public policy committee, I started to really get a more sense of the understanding of the issue and understanding that Um, the um, kids that were being oppressed were um, really from marginalized communities Mm -hmm. and they were often girls of color. And I just, and it bothered me that their race would be a reason why, like, why wasn't I hearing about this? Why I had lived in Oakland for so many years. Why I'm... It was interested in global women's issues. This would not have missed my radar. Like, this wouldn't I wouldn't have missed it? And the fact that I didn't know about it, and it was happening, and it was a big problem, was just outrageous to me. And I think the more I once I started to understand that the racism behind it, I just felt like I just had to do something. And then, you know, it just kind of then it just kind of the more I learned the more obsessed I became and the more passionate I became. And uh, I really started to step out in a way that i had never seen myself, but I really started to step out as a leader, which was a surprise to me. But I also felt like I was, you know, in my groove or what do they say? You know, in the, oh, there's a word they say about athletes. But anyway, I was, um, you know, I just, I just felt like, I was like coming up with ideas and they were really good ideas and I was leading. So anyway, so I just kind of knew I was on the right path. Wow. Yeah.
3: Well, the, the the parallels are profound, I think. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about that. Um, and the fact that you were tapping into that early on, right. And just oppression is oppression is oppression, right. Slavery, murder, murder, violence, abuse, all of it. It, you know, it, It feels the same to each one of us, no matter what we look like or where we come from. And the fact that you were able to have an empathetic response um, is um, one of the reasons I love working with you. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, it's just we just got to be um, we got to be ready to stand in the gap for anyone who's being mistreated in this way, trafficking is not, you know, n- no one deserves to be trafficked. And, um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the way in which these um, messages that started to, um, that are now on, on, uh, you know, buses and on, and, and shelters, bus shelters and, and all over the, the state, the way these messages start to formulate in your brain and um and what those messages look like. So, when we come back, we're going to hear from you just specifically talking about your campaigns and uh and we'll drill some more into that. So, thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
1: For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: All right, and welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Janice Jacobs, the founder of Abolitionist Mom. We're talking about um, all of her um, advocacy throughout the Bay Area and um and we're going to talk a little bit about one of the ways in which she is raising, has been raising awareness over the years, and that's ad campaigns. And specifically, your disrupt sex trafficking campaign is one that we have just, uh, we just launched earlier this year and placed on the uh, side of uh, buses throughout East, actually throughout Contra Costa County, not just East County, but throughout Contra Costa County um, in partnership with uh, Tri-Delta. And Transit, and we are so grateful. Um, also uh, partnered with the district attorney there, Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office, um, the uh, uh, the Family Justice Center, Antioch uh, uh, Foundation, and we are just uh, so grateful. Community Foundation, we're so grateful. John Muir um, Community Health Fund, and we are um, raising awareness. I want to say I've I think the number that I saw was 300,000 impressions um, per week uh, just by placing this ad on a couple of lines with Tri-Delta Transit. And I'm so grateful um, to be able to to do that and raise awareness about um, the ad that we chose to use was a, 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 a young lady. And it said sex traffickers love technology, too. And the reason why we chose that is because of the, during this time of COVID, there's been an increase in the use of social media and therefore increase in the use of social media for recruiting. And sadly, there's actually uh, this whole new way of setting up watch rooms and listen, uh, watch parties uh, using Instagram where, you know, you get a little sneak peek. Um, and then they cut you off, and you have to pay with Cash App to be able to get into the room. And the room is set up and t- torn down, and then they move on to another room. Um, these are the kinds of behaviors that are being utilized to generate cash in this time where COVID has um, uh, caused thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to lose their jobs. And so, um, you know, how, uh, what I want to do, Janice, is hear from you um, as it relates to these campaigns. So how did you go about designing these campaigns? What was your process? And, um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about what, what they entail.
2: Yeah. Well, so one of the things I did, so I, a million years ago, I studied advertising when I was in Grad school. And uh, one of the things I saw, you know, because trafficking often affects the more marginalized communities and people have specific ideas, what they think about prostitution, quote unquote, um, that I felt like we needed to really break up uh, um, preconceived biases that people had about who the victims were. And so I through all my campaigns, I've really tried to reframe um what victimization looks like and um so with this particular campaign i thought of it as like the potential victims campaign so you could see a picture of a girl with her phone you could see even if the kid looked differently than your kid but you could see your kid in that picture Mm -hmm. or you know we have another one that says you know killer opportunity talks about fake jobs and um, you know, another talks about, um, Romeo pimps or boyfriend pimps, that, that strategy mm-hmm. for recruitment. And, um, one talks about pornography. Um, and, and so I really, um, I actually started with Sex Traffic Technology too. It was the first campaign. I planned to launch it in Silicon Valley and, which we actually did with Love Never Fails mm-hmm. in 2017 on buses and trains, um, there. But, um, and then it, it, I've been the one about pornography and then it kind of grew from there. And I worked with a lot of survivors of Mm -hmm. trafficking. I always do because I want to make sure that we're amplifying messages that they feel need to be amplified because I think that survivors know what is needed more than really anybody else. And so I have a lot of friends who are survivors of trafficking and, um, you know, uh, believe in what I'm trying to do. And so we talked a lot about it. And then I um, made sure every message was vetted by multiple survivors, uh, multiple different backgrounds. And um, I spent a good, I don't know if it was nine months or so working on these six posters, vetting them, like word by word with multiple people, you know, from my husband to my neighbors across the street to friends, to just taking all sorts of um, to make sure that every word really we said the most in the fewest words. And this campaign is really, um, it's an educ it's a prevention education campaign and has very specific objectives to be a um, nugget of, uh, a nugget of information that people can absorb and they can understand. And so it's not as short as your typical billboard campaign, which you would normally want to keep it to 10 words, but we've done these in posters. We put 9,000 uh, and then eventually 10,000 posters in schools and communities across the United States. And so when people see it and they take a minute to look at, they learn something about trafficking that many times they don't already know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I can say that it definitely
3: is a conversation starter. And it's been, I think, sought after in schools, right? Mm-hmm. As a great way to keep the message front and
2: center. Um, yeah. And- and I think one of the things that I'm actually, I do need to cut you off, but one of the things I'm really proud of about this campaign is that not only has it been endorsed by survivors, but I've been working with the Interfaith Committee of the San Francisco Coalition Against human trafficking. And we have supporters and partners across from the Catholic sisters against human trafficking who are putting this campaign in Catholic schools. And that if the Catholic sisters feel that this is appropriate for a Catholic school, that that to me was a great endorsement to the National Council of Jewish Women who've helped me to get this out in the Bay Area and in um, Palm Beach, Florida. So um, anyway, I just want to mention that. That is so good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the
3: things that um, makes the campaign really go is that so many people feel like they were part of it, you know, and, and it's because they were. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and so you have to disrupt uh, sex trafficking um, and that's, um, that's going. And, um, and so currently, are, is that running anywhere outside of Contra Costa County? Try, no,
2: no that disrupt sex trafficking has been going since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next place it may go is riverside and Bakersfield, but it's it's been it's had its run in in one form or another, whether it's posters in schools in I think like twenty counties in california mm-hmm. and um, and then some there's some partners in other states as well um where it's ran, but it's been on buses, it's been on bus shelters it's been on San Diego county it's had it on billboards. Uh, Oh, so I had it right. It was San Diego. Yeah, San Diego County. Yeah, we went to LA County with a uh, and San Diego County, okay, and Alameda with a different campaign.
3: Awesome, beautiful. Well, um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back because I want to. I want to talk a little bit about the way that um, not only human trafficking but violence and. Um, just um, discrimination is impacting our LGBTQ community and how that ties into your um, into your uh, uh, campaign help without judgment. And um, and so we're going to come back and hear more about that. And thank you for listening to Love
2: Never Fails Radio.
1: To join in the fight for love, visit Love dot com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors.
5: This is Dr. Meluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Janice Jacobs, who is the founder of Abolitionist Mom and the creator of many um, advertising campaigns that raise awareness, awareness campaigns, if you will, that raise awareness about a variety of things that are impacting um, underserved and under-resourced marginalized communities. Um, and human trafficking being one of them, and the other being violence and or hunger and or homelessness of members of our LGBTQ community. I wanted to share with you um, over this year, um, I've been just really um, pushing uh, our team within Love Never Fails, our staff to become more educated about the plight of someone who is um, being discriminated against or forced into trafficking or susceptible to trafficking because simply because they are lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, um, and, and the like. And so and, and for me, um, you know just kind of taking a stance that this is, this is um, upsetting to me that people are being harmed, that people are being um, beaten, trafficked, uh, disturbed in any way uh, because of their sexual orientation and/or and identity. And I saw this article that said that 21 transgender or gender nonconforming people have been killed in 2021, which is this was written in July, which was which was a hundred percent increase from the year prior. and, um, and one of the things that um, uh, has been highlighted by several human rights groups is that um, in particular black transgender women, um are um the victims of a uh of racism certainly and transphobia and what what i find interesting there's something that is troublesome which is uh, some of the transgender uh people that were murdered in particular the um article that i'm looking at is brayla stone who was murdered a black transgender girl who was found slain in arkansas on june 25th and um And she was a uh, 17 year old, uh, and so you know, not even an adult yet. And she was shot down. And when um, when they asked, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting my stories mixed up here. Uh, That's a horrible situation, and they're not sure how she was she was murdered. And then you have uh, Mercy Mack, 22 year old, um, same situation was murdered in Dallas. And there was a, a witness that said that, that she was murdered because uh, she um, threatened, uh, she threatened a guy, uh, Walker, um, to release a video of them uh, engaged in sexual activity. And so I guess I don't know if there was blackmail or something of that you know sort going on. But this was the reason why he felt justified in killing her. And so. You know, we have these situations where there's this violence that's going on um, against uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Oftentimes, because people are hiding things that they're doing in, in, you know, in secret, and they don't want it to come out, or they have their own issues with their own sexuality, and they're manifesting on another person, and um, and and it's just really horrific. And what's happening is, um, you, you know. These members of our community are not being served. They're not being helped. They're being made to be homeless, um, hungry, abused, in silence. And um, and so I, I wanted to just bring some light to that and, and ask you, Janice, um, you know, this is part of your campaign, Help Without Judgment. And so tell us about, you know, how that started and how you see that uh, flowing. Um, now as you've as you've launched it?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the things that uh, we've seen that over the last 10 years since you and I have been involved in the movement, a lot of people more now are much more aware about the trafficking and they tend to focus on the trafficking of women and young girls. Um, but quite honestly, there are a lot of boys um, that are trafficked as well, both mm-hmm. LGBTQ and straight boys, but um i think that a very particular group of lgbtq youth particularly those are who are black and of color um, are the most um disenfranchised the most marginalized of the marginalized and um so a friend of mine nola brantley founder of missy encouraged me to um to focus on that group and i spoke to a number of friends who are, um, traffic, male trafficking survivors. And so I, um, I happened to meet, um, while working on another project with the County, I was at Oakland pride. Um, and I happened to meet a young man, um, who works for an organization called APAB and told him what I wanted to do. And he got very excited and we started meeting and, um, and really connected. And in the course of our meeting, he shared that he had at one point been homeless himself and had left home at 16 years old when his family kicked him out for being gay. And, um, and that it's been many years involved in, you know, what is known as in the, in the gay community, we talk about survival sex Um, and, you know, a lot of homeless youth when they're, they don't want to think of themselves as homeless. So they might be sleeping on someone's couch. They call it couch surfing. And, but that has a, when you don't have money, that can have a cost. And the cost may be often having sex. And well, it's a little bit different than pimp controlled um, trafficking. But, you know, if you're a minor, it's still considered human trafficking. um, Even if there is no um, coercion, but, there are really fine lines between um, self-selling um, survival sex, and being coerced, controlled. And um, so I just felt this was an area that needed the attention. I worked with, with um, my friend Craig and we brought together a team of models. Some of whom were survivors um, we had one person who was a trans woman that everyone in the campaign uh, that we used was actually of um african american de- descent um um background and um but we did we did three different posters um they're all involved in the ballroom scene, which is a really really cool soul- subculture um involving like um fashion competitions and it's actually a way for um LGBTQ youth to connect with mentors who are older, um, and some of these kids are on the street, and um, it's uh, it's a really positive outlook for out outlet for them. So it was it was a campaign that included a little bit of fashion, but it was clear that it was but it was very urban, very contemporary, um, excellent photography, and um, and we put that up on bus shelters around town. In Oakland, this is our first launch of it, and it was for the agency APEP, which is formerly known as AIDS Project East Bay, and they do a lot of um, outreach to prevent HIV infection and um, support. So we had a phone number. We have a phone number for people to call if they want help with housing and um, jobs and healthcare. And um, we didn't say explicitly. If you're engaging in survival sex, um, but we made it open that I think that it's clear that it's LGBTQ friendly, it's non judgmental, it's a safe space. And, um, we're getting calls, we're getting calls for folks, and some of this is, um, HIV prevention related, but, um, but, you know, in the course of working with clients, you know, they, they know when folks are engaging in survival sex and having that relationship, having that connection is a way for them to start to offer alternatives that can be safer and healthier and and offer more of a future. And so the campaign was really it was tweeted. It really went viral on social media. The folks who were involved in the campaign shared it and and they're young. They're all in their late twenties, early thirties, and uh, they have lots of social context. So it really went viral even through social media. And, um, and it was a great, um, it was a great project to work on. It was really cool when we launched it because there were about eight of us out there and seven of them were, were, um, young, um, uh, black, um, Folks in their in their late twenties, early thirties, and then there was me, and I'm a little, <laughs> and um, and we partnered together, and it was it, it was it was really um, it was really exciting and fun, and I think um, we all appreciated the opportunity to get to know each other, and yeah. uh, and I love that, and I love that, and it's been really eye opening for me.
3: Well, and I and I, when we come back, I want to talk about just that thing: is getting to know each other. I think there's some some beautiful um, just by taking the time to spend time together, we begin to see each other, um, really see each other, and care for each other. And so, um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and you know, just that bridging that that you've that you've come to, and specifically with the Jewish community and the African-American community and some of the parallels that you've been observing and talking to me about and others about um, in the last uh, recently. And so given the social unrest in our our community. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
1: For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these
0: messages. Trash bills weighing you down?
1: At Case Industries, we
0: specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Janice Jacobs. We're having a great discussion about a variety of campaigns that she has launched uh, throughout the state and nation um, relative to issues impacting Uh, youth, adults around human trafficking and uh, disruptive sex trafficking being one, help without judgment being another. And uh, we were just talking about some of the bridging. Um, Specifically in the last session, we talked about help without judgment, which is a campaign she launched to um, provide any kind of help um, to the LGBTQ community. Um, and it was sponsored by the AIDS project East Bay um, but certainly could, could sort of stem its way into a variety of areas where someone might need help um, and and so and you were just mentioning that there was uh, you know a group of folks that you worked with on that campaign that were from that were black that were young that were um, members of the LGBTQ community and and you were able to spend time together and it created sort of this, this opening, this awareness of, wow, you know, I see you, you know, I see you. I, I I'm, I'm reaching into a, a place and, you know, people can't see you, Janice. So maybe you should describe yourself. <laughs> How would you describe yourself? What
2: are your pronouns? <laughs> well, I <want> say. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, 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 uh, white. I'm, uh, married to, uh, you know, uh, a man. I, I'm a mom. And uh, teenagers and uh, young adults, and um, I'm Jewish, and I um and I live in the Oakland Hills. So I mean, I think relative to other folks, I'm fairly affluent. But I really love the connections that I've made. Um, you know, in the anti-trafficking movement, I've certainly um made made friends with folks from a variety of backgrounds, and have a lot of, you know, I don't, you know, I have a lot of black girlfriends. Um, uh, and, um, and I think with the, mo- since the murder of George Floyd, I've been really digging deep inside myself to find my place in fighting injustice treatment of black Americans. And it's been something that's become really important to me. And so, you know, first I reached out to some of my girlfriends to get their take. And then I've also made, um, real unintentional, um, effort over the last um, couple of years to expand my friendships even further. And and I think through this campaign, I got very close with my creative partner on it, Craig who works for APAB and um, a couple of other young men that I just adore. And I just, I think as more of the racial justice came out, I'm just like thinking of these kids or like, I mean, they're kids to me, as I said, they're 30, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, these are like, feel like, like extended family to me. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just feel like we need to change how we do things. So I, um, you know, I think what I found is that, um, with folks of vastly different backgrounds. And two of my newer friends who were introduced to me are reentering after incarceration, after, um, you know, after spending time in the state penitentiary for dealing drugs. And I've never, I mean, I've never had any friends who were former drug dealers who had spent time in incarceration. And um, one of the gentlemen is, is about my age, give or take six months. And we've, we talk a lot about racial issues and justice and and how we need to move forward. And, you know, while we share age and parent, you know, parenting in common, there's a lot of differences, but I feel like um, we also share a lot of values and there's a lot of um, opportunities for creative collaboration, because when you have someone who has such a different background than yours, different perspective, then it just like, so aids the creative process because you are not surrounding yourself with people who think, you know, are operating with the same lens that you're operating at. Mm -hmm. And there's so much of like cross contribution. Like I Mm -hmm. grow so much. And and I think that there's things that I say that contribute um, to them um, in ways that open up their thinking. So yeah.
3: It's been really- and, and do you think that we don't do that more, you know, because this is something I'm particularly passionate about. I, I think I mentioned to you, we've designed a program uh, to, to encourage more diversity and inclusion in the corporate world and in the church. Um, and, um, and the reason we're doing that is, uh, or we've done that, is that in order to properly serve the people we serve, they need to have a safe place that they can come to in the church. And they need to have a safe place they can come to in corporate world. And they can't, it's not, those places are not going to be safe for people that like the people we serve, unless there's an openness and a willingness to kind of try, you know, to be, um, to learn and to hear people and to hear different perspectives and to be creative. Um, and you don't have to agree. Like, I, you know, there's been plenty of times there's something you say, I don't necessarily agree with it. Some might say you don't necessarily agree with it, but we are listening.
2: Yeah. You know? Well, I think that there's a, you know, I saw a statistic recently um, that, you know, there's a huge portion, like 30 or 40 percent of um, white people who don't have any black friends and large percentage of black people that don't have any white friends. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when we do have friends, they're usually in our social, like through our, you know, I live in Oakland, so we have, you know, public schools, private schools, they're still diverse. And so, you know, I've met um, friends through, you know, my daughter's school, or you meet folks from work. But the folks you're meeting from work and from your daughter's school are largely in your social class. They're Mm -hmm. largely in the same background and and have also share in progressive values and there's differences, but, but there's a lot of folks. And I could say that probably most of the people I'm friends with may have one or two people in their social circle that are of color, but I mean, don't have, I mean, I've spent years in the anti-trafficking movement and we've been in, in very, um, Diverse spaces. And so yeah. mm-hmm. so I just I have a lot of friends, very different backgrounds, but I don't think most people do as much as I do. So um, I I've been really making more of an effort. And I I think um, I think in, and when I do share, when I do get together with folks, I always share with them that I'm Jewish, even though I'm not particularly religious. I mean, other than having my kids are in bat mitzvah and going to services on the high holidays. I mean, I'm not a regular temple goer, but I I think that a lot of people, I think folks in the black community haven't, don't have a lot of Jewish friends. Right. And if, I mean, if they just, and they don't even know that like if my Jewish friends looked at me, they would know I was Jewish, uh, but uh, I think black folks just see me as being white. And right. my experience, um, my family's experience is very, very different. My grandparents and great-grandparents immigrated from Eastern Europe. They escaped the pogroms. They came here as migrants. Um, They weren't officially asylum seekers, but they were being, I mean, my grandmother told me when I was a little girl about them having to being forced out of their village because it was being burnt down and they were fleeing like they did in, you know, in Fiddler on the Roof. And, um and they came here with with nothing they faced prejudice in the united states and um and then then my husband's side his his family were um victims and survivors of the holocaust um, his grandmother was murdered in a concentration camp his uncle was um forced in, was into, forced into labor forced labor um and um by the nazis and um and the recently it's been really interesting. I've been reading the book cast, which is a, a bestseller now. And, um, and one of the things I learned in the last, even the last couple of days was that the Nazis modeled um, the treatment of the Jews after the Americans treatment of during slavery and after slavery of, of black Americans. Wow. And, um, and the level of similarity and the level of ex- the, I mean, you can't like have a competition as to who was oppressed more, but I mean, when babies are being ripped from their parents in both cultures and, and people are being murdered, um, for entertainment. Um, and you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's a lot of parallels. There is a lot of parallels. So I think, you know, for me being (laughs) Jewish, I think has had me empathize with black Americans I think I know my friends of mine who are black who have seen any movies about the Holocaust end up in tears. And, um, I just think that, you know, historically Jewish Americans were very involved in the, um, uh, civil rights movement. And we've been allies. I know my grandmother used to tell me that her neighbors who were black used to turn on, um, their lights on on Shabbat because their family couldn't, um, that's why. Anyway, you when you're Jewish, when you're Orthodox, you can't turn an off, on and off light. So neighbors, it's okay for neighbors oh, exactly. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that there's always been um, more of an alliance, and yeah. that's changed. I think there's some political things, uh, issues in Palestine and um, and other issues um, that have kind of um, uh, led to more anti-Semitism than mm-hmm. um, in recent years. And I don't think younger um, Folks understand how much of an alliance there has been over the years between yeah. um, Black Americans and Jewish Americans, and. Um I just think we need each other's backs. I think that those folks, those white supremacists who are out there, the neo-Nazis, they hate us both. And my back friends, I uh, I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, I was at some event and he goes, "They hate you more than they hate me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and it's like the neo-Nazis really really hate you more than they hate you more. And um so we need to stick together. We need to have each other's backs. We need to have understanding and um and it's. I think there's a lot we yeah. can learn from each other. Yeah. A- so we're going to we're going to have to take a quick break
3: here. Um, we're going to take a break, and um, we're going to come back and talk about some events that are going on in the community, the ways that people can engage. Um, thank you so much, Denise. We'll be right back, and thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
1: To join in the fight for love, visit LoveNeverFailsUs.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors.
5: This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again have been in studio with Janice Jacobs. Thanks so much for being on the show, Janice. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And so if people want to learn more about what Janice is doing, her campaigns, for advocacy and just um, just build bridges as she was outlining. You can reach out to her um, by going to our website, which is org. Um, also, just want to encourage you a couple of things that are going on in the community. Uh, we are continuing to offer our IT classes for free um, for people that are underserved and under-resourced in the community. And you can sign up at any time for our self-study Cisco or Google classes at loveneverfails.com forward slash IT Biz. Um, and these are classes that will um, provide a pathway to paid apprenticeships and placements in the IT world. So please um, go ahead and sign up today. Also, I want to just remind you that we did open our home for girls um, ages thirteen to seventeen, um, and that is um, we are open and ready, available for referrals. So, if you have girls that are not in foster care, we're hoping to be an intervention a place, a safe place of intervention for girls that need a safe place to be for a twelve up to twelve months, thirteen to seventeen. Please uh, do get in contact with us. Also, um, we have just opened our home for homeless men, specifically transitional age youth, um, which are 18 to 24. And so if you are wanting to um, uh, refer in there, please do reach out as well. And of course, if you haven't heard it before, if you need to hear it again, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio.